Today, we're talking about the role of your nervous system in your relationships. Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Batak, and I teach you how to have amazing relationships by doing one simple thing. Dismantling supremacy culture's internalized oppression and conditioning. Be sure that you've hit subscribe to the podcast and come on over and join me in my private newsletter community where I have a collection of specially curated tools to get you started. Simply visit www.sharanimbatuk.com slash connect to get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're back with me for another episode of the Fierce Authenticity Podcast and, you know, another energy healing transmission that will come through and support you in your healing, in your evolution, in your adventure. Through this thing called life, as you are working to undo all of the effects of supremacy culture and how it's been ingrained into you and conditioned into you as a result of the systems in which we live. And the previous episode, I shared about why your relationships suck. And the answer was supremacy culture, because we have not been taught how to relate with one another. And in today's episode, we're going to take it a little bit further and talk about the role of your nervous system in your relationships. So way early on in the podcast, I recorded an episode. It was episode 3.0, and it was titled Your Nervous System. It literally was the third episode of the podcast, and in it, I shared a lot of information about nervous system basics. And I realized that what I've been talking about a lot lately is the role of our nervous system in our relationships and how our nervous systems really can make or break any relational interaction that we have with someone. And I want to start off with a story. So if you follow me on Instagram and other social media, you will know that I recently took a trip to Atlanta and New York City with my mom. And it was a lovely time. We actually had a really wonderful, amazing, lovely time. And The wildest thing happened. I was on the airplane on my way back. At this point, we had been in New York City. So first I went to Atlanta for Command the Stage Live. It was the culmination of my transformational speaker training program. And then because JetBlue was having a sale, I took my mom to New York City with me as well. I went to NYU. And so it was really fun to just visit the city again. And that's a little bit of an aside, but I will say so that, you know, the last time I went to New York City, it was 
over a decade ago because I knew that the next time I went back to New York City, it was going to be when I could afford a hotel room in Manhattan and didn't have to stay with friends who blessed them. It was really kind of them to open up their homes to me. And I knew that I wanted to come when I was in a different space. And so I'm really grateful that recently I was able to not only afford that hotel room, which by the way was like dirt cheap because I don't know, COVID, I don't know, the city was like not even populated the way it usually is. But anyways, so I was able to not only pay for this trip for myself, but I also took my mom with me. And there were all sorts of mishaps and conundrums that happened on the very last day of the trip back from New York City. So we went from the Bay Area, well, I flew from the Bay Area to Atlanta for Command the Stage, and then from Atlanta flew up to New York City. And then from New York City, I was flying back to San Jose, where I live. And I got to the airport early, took my mom. Her flight was a couple hours earlier than mine. So I went with her to the airport. We get to LaGuardia Airport. That's where we're flying out of. It was closer to the city. It's a lot less of a mess most of the time than JFK, which is the other major airport in New York City. So I arrived there about three and a half hours before my flight was even boarding or departing. I can't remember, but I was there really early. And I'm just chilling, just doing my thing. And then they load us onto this airplane. We're all loaded. We're all strapped in. I'm like, okay, yes, we're going. I had checked in my bag because I had a connecting flight. I wasn't flying straight from LaGuardia to San Jose. They didn't have that option. So I had to go through Minneapolis before I you know, and there was like a layover and a change planes and then over to San Jose. And so what ended up happening is we're all strapped in. Everybody's ready to go. I'm super excited because the middle seat next to me and the woman who was also sharing the aisle with me was vacant. And so both of us were like, yay, we have a middle seat and nobody's sitting in it. So they've announced aft doors closed. We're getting ready for departure, la la la. And then we're just sitting there for a few minutes. And being someone who has lived in New York City, I know that this happens. Sometimes they will close the doors and then they'll barely push back just to say that the flight took off, right? They have officially departed the gate. And so I don't think much of it until the flight attendant announces, flight attendants prepare doors for arrival. And in my head, I go, what do you mean arrival? We are getting ready to depart. We're supposed to be departing, not arriving. So turns out there was a a flight attendant chair that got stuck. So they had to call in maintenance. They thought it would be a quick fix. It wasn't a quick fix. Now, my layover in Minneapolis was supposed to be an hour and 17 minutes. An hour into this quote-unquote maintenance issue, I was like, yeah, there's no way I am going to make my connecting flight. I asked the flight attendant really patiently, really kindly, and I say, you know, I know it's not your fault, and I have a connecting flight. And so, um, you know, she said a lot of people had connecting flights. I think I asked her that at about 45 minutes in to this delay. 
And she said a lot of people had connecting flights. I wasn't the only one. They're really trying everything they can. Great. I know it's not her fault. And so I was able to stay calm through that. Okay. And then they announced, okay, well, we've got the gate agent here. They're willing to rebook. Yada, yada. If you have a connection or if you have a whatever, feel free to come and get rebooked. So I sit there and I debate and I'm going back and forth. And I said, you know what? I have to see what my options are. And so I go out there and speak with the gate agent and explore what options I had. And I had been doing a little recon on my my cell phone. So I knew that there were no other flights to San Jose out of LaGuardia that day. And I knew that there were no other flights out of Minneapolis until the following morning. So basically, my options were hang out in New York City one more night or hang out in Minneapolis for a night. And I go to the gate agent. We start looking up all these options. Thank God I live in an area where I'm fortunate enough to have three airports to choose from. Of course, one is the close option that's just right down the road. And then there's the couple other options that are a bit further. And what ended up happening is the gate agent was able to put me on a flight from JFK to SFO. Now, I was at LaGuardia Airport, (laughs) and they had a direct flight from JFK Airport, and it was, mm, I don't know, an hour away in traffic because by now, it's five o'clock rush hour. By now, I have definitely missed my connecting flight in Minneapolis, and they also shared with me, actually, because the gate agent had asked about my bag. And I said to him, I had checked a bag. So what about my bag if I'm headed over to JFK now? And, you know, he was like, okay, we'll see if we can pull it. And then they announced like, oh, the flight is ready to take off. And so it was going to be not a big, you know, they weren't going to be able to pull it. I was like, okay, he gave me some instructions on what to do. And then he gave me the phone number to call for the transportation shuttle that would take me over to JFK from LaGuardia. And I get to JFK and then I check in, you know, had to print my boarding pass and whatnot. And I decide to ask the agents there, what's the deal with my bag? Like, what steps do I need to take? Because it wasn't very clear. The previous person wasn't very clear with me. And so that was a whole big ordeal. And I just kept breathing through the whole thing and breathing and breathing and breathing and it was okay. And the lady at first came at me quite rude and like in in an attack kind of way. And I was just so undefended. I was so just whatever. Like at this point, I guess you could say I was kind of surrendered to whatever was going to be. And so she gave me some suggestions and also some guidance on, you know, when I arrive at SFO, something about voluntarily separating from my luggage. It was a whole ordeal. I'm like, oh, it wasn't really voluntary if your flight was going to, like, I missed my connection. But anyhow, so end up having the conversation with her and I'm just like, okay, it is what it is. There's really nothing I can do about it. It is what it is. And now the thing is, my friend, there was a time when I would have been freaking the fuck out. Like I would have been 
all torn up in knots. I would have been going like really driving myself crazy in obsessing and like trying to control this quite uncontrollable situation. But I was just breathing and rolling through it, right? Just it is what it is. Make it through TSA. I mean, it's JFK, so TSA is obnoxious. And make it to my gate. When I get to my gate, I end up asking about if I have a good seat or not. I wasn't sure if I had a middle seat, didn't want a middle seat, you know, all the good things. The agent there was able to put me in a row that I had two seats to myself. I don't know what that means yet. I'm just like, okay, great. I have a seat that nobody's sitting next to me. Awesome. Have some dinner. And then I'm just on the plane and really evaluating the previous, I guess, how many days was I? About nine days. And so I was reflecting on the previous eight or nine days. And there was a lot of people in Atlanta that were quite rude. People say that New Yorkers are rude. And my experience is quite the opposite. Actually, I find that New Yorkers are quite nice, especially as you get to know them. And even if you don't, I think they're just so used to having people in their face and in their personal space all the time that what else are you going to be like you have to just kind of be nice on some level um but the people in Atlanta especially that airport were awful like they were so rude they were so mean they didn't want to give you the time of day and even the hotel folks in Atlanta were quite rude and like as though they were bothered went up to them or asked them anything and it wasn't personal and I knew that because like just see that there was an air of that angst around them, regardless of if I was standing in front of them or not. And so I was just reflecting on this entire trip and I realized, oh my gosh, throughout this whole experience, I had a regulated nervous system. I did not get worked up into fight or flight. I did not shut down and go into freeze. I did not get into fawning and trying to, okay, become one with the aggressor or people please. I didn't do any of that. And as a result, I had an amazing time. I truly was like, who is this woman with the regulated nervous system who didn't lose her shit once? Because in the past, I was someone who, like I said, those minor and sometimes there were quite a few major inconveniences there. But these even minor inconveniences would really trigger my nervous system and activate it into some sort of fight or flight. Like I have to like battle back or I have to defend or going into the people pleasing and oh, but it's okay. It's okay. And this time there truly was none of that. And so coming around to what all of this has to do with our relationships, here's the deal. When those people were rude, in Atlanta, I didn't take it on. I knew that it wasn't personal. And so I was able to stay cool and calm and collected throughout the whole experience. It was just like, okay, this is what it is. And then I was able to communicate with my mom from that same, okay, this is what it is. 
or here's the information, or yes, we got that handled, whatever it was, right? Like I was able to communicate with my mom with that same level of calmness and kindness. And that is purely because I did not take on whatever was happening in the nervous systems of those other folks. And Because I did not do that and I didn't get hooked into their nervous system energy, I didn't get activated and therefore did not need to pull my mom or anyone else into that activated energy with me. Because you see, had I gotten triggered and activated by all of those people that were being rude or all of those inconveniences at the airport when I was trying to get back home, which, by the way, was a 17-hour trip from the time I left my hotel in New York City to the time I arrived home, because all the things. And the thing is, though, that when all of that was happening, I could very easily have gotten really triggered and activated right there with them, which means that I would have taken it out on my mom or whoever the next service person was. And I didn't. I did not do that. And so therefore, I did not pass on this agitation, this activation, this fight flight energy. I didn't do that. And so that is one example of how our nervous systems really do impact and influence those around us with whom we're in relationship, okay? And I just have to be honest, I don't know what happened to those hotel folks or the other people that were like quite rude and uninterested in Atlanta or how the other folks interacted with the gate agents at LaGuardia or even JFK when there were all these mishaps happening. I don't know how others interacted with them and I don't know how interacting with me may have contributed to their experience later on in the day. But what I can say is that by me not getting triggered and hooked in to what was happening with them, me not getting activated means that I did not get combative and fight or flight back with them, which means that I was one less person that they interacted with that day that threw them shade or that gave them attitude or that got sucked into their bad day or their bad mood or whatever was happening with them. And as a result, I did not contribute to any further harm, not in that person's experience or in my own experience with my mom and anybody else that I interacted with after that. And there is a reason this is really important and that I shared with you this story because there is this thing called co-regulation that occurs between the nervous system of one living being and the nervous system of another living being. And what co-regulation means is basically that we are working with another person or animal, because doggies and kitties and other fur babies are really good for this, but that we are working with another nervous system to help 
calm and regulate our own nervous systems. And so what ends up happening is when I am calm, I don't have to bring that energy. And actually, this is what happened with the ticketing agent in JFK. She started to come at me with like this attack energy, like this, why didn't you get this sorted out? What did they tell you over there? Like she got into all this attack energy with me and I didn't hook into any of it. I literally was just standing there like, I'm sorry, miss. What can I say? I have no information for you. Literally, that's all I stood there and said because I truly did not. I was like, because of the delay, I missed my connecting flight. And then literally she looked in the computer and she says, oh, that flight was an hour and 15 minutes delayed. I said, yeah, my connection was an hour and 17 minutes. That's how long my layover and my connection was. And that's literally when she softened is because I did not hook in to what was happening. I did not attack with attack and I did not attack with run. Like I literally stayed in my own regulated place didn't take on what was hers, and as a result, her system disengaged enough to soften. Now, I don't know how she interacted with the person after me, but again, what I can say is that I did not contribute to any further harm on her or any other person that she would have interacted with. And quite honestly, if anything, I contributed to a brief moment of pause and regulation because I showed up with a calm nervous system and I was able to just be present and not get caught up in the attack energy. And then again, as I said, that trickled out to every other exchange and interaction that I had. So that, my friend, is what I want to share with you today about our nervous systems and how one nervous system truly does impact another nervous system and how when we are in a regulated place, we can truly help those around us to co-regulate with us and to feel calmer. And we're definitely going to do another episode on co-regulation because that's a really important skill that I want you to understand. And in the meantime, you know, I just want you to know that this is what it looks like. This is how your nervous system impacts other people around you. And this is how your nervous system impacts your relationships. Because one nervous system will pick up whatever is happening with another nervous system. And if one person's nervous system is activated and your nervous system gets activated right there with them, it's not going to be pretty. But if one person's nervous system is activated and another person's nervous system is not, there is the potential to help regulate the other person's nervous system. Even if not in that moment, even if not right away, and at least you can know that if you were the regulated nervous system, you did your part and that's okay. 
And again, the same is true that if you're all activated, you could potentially pull others into that with you. And so that's where our relationships really can get wonky as it relates to nervous system, activation, or even the deactivation when we're in that freeze state, when we're in a depressed state, and when we're disengaged from the people that we love. All of that, that's how this impacts it. So that is what I want to leave you with. And we're going to talk about co-regulation in another episode. And until next time, take really good care. And I'm sending you so much love from my heart to yours. I want to take a moment to honor and acknowledge the amazing support team that helps make this podcast possible for you. Starting with Diego Velazquez, our podcast editor and the talented artist who created our custom music. Ana Olvina, my wonderful assistant who creates all of our beautiful graphics and the transcript of every episode, which you can find over at www.fierceauthenticity.com. Biana Sandich, who writes our amazing show notes and does it so well that I bet you couldn't tell it wasn't me. The talented Jillian at Epoxy Studios, whose photography is our cover art and pretty much every other curated image that you see of me on social media. My husband, who puts up with me when it's 11.30 p.m. on a Sunday night and I'm like, hey babe, I gotta record a podcast episode. Like, right now. Is that okay? My higher power, whose divine wisdom flows through me to bring these messages to you. And last but not least, I want to thank you, my listener, so much for listening in. If you'd like to join the podcast support team, some ways you can do so are by rating and reviewing the podcast, sharing it with everyone you know, and, if possible, making a financial contribution through the link in the show notes so that you, too, can be part of the team elevating this podcast and making it possible to bring to other listeners like you. I'm sending you so much love, and we will be together again soon.